Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, everyone. Another Baseball America playoff podcast. J.J. Cooper and Kyle Glazer joining you today. We have a lot to chew over. Pretty uh, uh, two series that still continue. The Cubs ensured that we do have baseball today on Thursday, which... Yay for baseball. Always. As, as always. But uh, before we do that, we do want to thank you for tuning in. We want to remind you that our podcast is sponsored by Baseballism. Baseballism is the official off-the-field brand of baseball, offering apparel for men, women, and kids. Shop now at Baseballism.com and enter the offer code BASHIP, that's B-A-S-H-I-P, and receive free shipping on your order. Visit Baseballism.com to shop for hats, shirts, and more today. So Kyle, I'm going to put you in the driver's seat here. Do you want to talk about the uh, Cubs staying alive, or do you want to talk about the Yankees first, who have... I think we should go in order in which the games were played. In that case, start with the Yankees-Astros. You know, the biggest thing for me that has turned this series around, the the Yankees, a lot of attention is being paid to the fact that the Astros' offense has completely disappeared. If you look at it, the Yankees pitched well those first two games. That isn't what's changed. It's a testament to the Yankees and their pitching staff and how they've done a great job holding down baseball's best offense. But Aaron Judge and Gary Sanchez, you know, John, uh, our editor-in-chief, likes to talk about it all the time, that your stars are who is going to carry you. And even if you have the deepest postseason roster, more often than not, when your stars produce, you're probably in really good shape. And if they struggle, it's going to be a struggle for the team as a whole. And we've seen Aaron 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 Sanchez, Aaron Judge. Aaron Sanchez, the catching version of Aaron Judge, who, uh, you know, that... With us, with the not, catching not ability of Sanchez jacked. and the double the power, that would be a <laughs> frightening combination. Yes, um, or a great Blue Jays clo- uh, starting pitcher. Yes, yeah. and a famous what, chef. Yeah, and a famous chef. Um, but no, that's all wrong. So ah, yeah, Aaron uh, Aaron Judge though, you know, obviously his NL, his ALDS struggles were talked about, but even after the first two games of the ALCS, he was two for twenty seven. I mean, this was a guy who obviously had been the Yankees' top offensive performer all year. He's also been streaky. Right. We saw that again and again. Game three hits the home run. You know, and what I liked about that game three home run is he missed the pitch he should have t- he should have hit out. You know, t- a pitch or two prior that fastball over the plate, ninety four, and he knew he missed it, and he got another one up and in, and he didn't hit it all that high. I mean, it almost got in on his hands a little bit, but he's so strong. And Yankee Stadium is such a band box. It was able to get out. Hits that homer, makes two great catches in right field. Game four, he hits the mammoth home run to get the rally started. And then the game-tying double. You know, I mean, and last night he had another uh, another uh, RBI double as well. I mean, he's really turned it on. And Gary Sanchez. And, and that was something John did predict. John said, like, that Aaron Judge could put this team on his back. And, and, and he to has. some extent since, he has. And then Gary Sanchez with the crucial, another big hit last night. Right now, if you're the Astros... I mean, you have to be sweating a little bit, not only because you're a game you know, away from your season being over, but the fact that you had these guys held down, and all of a sudden, they're back. Oh, so to me, the reason, though, and I know that they have not hit. I mean, that is something, that the best lineup in baseball is being beaten by pitching right now, whereas the second best lineup in baseball has, is basically is, is, is doing pretty well. 
in New York. I mean, that did help them. But, uh, but to me, if I'm an Astros fan, what really concerns me right now is just answering the question of who do I, do you have anyone? Okay. So Justin Verlander may go out there and give you nine where you don't have to worry about it. But do you have anyone in that pen right now? Or do you have two guys in that pen, especially who you are comfortable that you say, okay, this guy's got it when he comes in because right now, that's a big issue. And here's where I want to tie this back to our trade deadline coverage. Obviously, we talked a lot about on July 31, we did our trade deadline podcast and talked about the Astros not doing enough. August comes around, they make that trade for the starter. But going back, knowing that there were opportunities in place for both Zach Britton and Brad Hand. Now, Britton seems like it was canned on the Orioles side of things. Yeah, there's nothing that does but, seem like But you look the do. other way to a guy like a Brad Hand. And all reports were the Padres weren't asking for Forrest Whitley. They weren't asking for Franklin Perez. They weren't asking for, you know, Kyle Tucker. Should the Astros, knowing that this was going to be a weakness and knowing that they weren't going to have to give up any of their top-tier prospects, should they have made this trade? And is this something that you feel like is haunting them now? I mean, they did make a trade. For Maybe Francisco Lirion, Francisco Lirion, who no one would argue is as made, a fit as a right. No, no, they made a, they made a lesser trade, right. and then the other things that they did, which again I'm trying to you know let's let's reverse engineer it. Joe Musgrove with the moves and all that that allowed them to move Joe Musgrove to the pen, who during the second half of the season was really good out of the pen, not been so good in the playoff. Chris Davinsky was supposed to be. And has been for them for two years now. He's been for two years, stud. this use him however long you want, however many innings you need, and he's going to dominate. And I, I think, I mean, he looks like he's somewhat out of gas potentially, which makes sense. He's been used. There were a lot of four inning stints he was throwing, and that takes a toll on you throughout the course and, of the season. But also, the other part of it is, is that Ken Giles is the guy that they are relying on, and. Ken Giles is also really struggling right now, too, at times. So, I, I mean, yes, in hindsight, I mean, really, like, to take it into a, a bigger picture, the Verlander moves, the Jose Quintana moves, those are the ones that really do, you know, get a, a lot of attention. But are we now in 2017 in a situation where what the Yankees did, I know they went and got Sonny Gray, too, but what the Yankees did... It's kind of a big one. <laughs> Kind of big, but I, I'd say like, but going out and getting Tommy Conley and David Robertson is well, kind of ended up being, I would say, as important in many ways because they get to impact more games. And, and the idea is, I think you need to do both. You see, you use the Yankees example; they got that big starter, but hey, they also supplemented the bullpen. The Dodgers, obviously, you Darvish was the headliner, and even though there were a couple iffy starts in there, on the whole. 3-4-4 ERA over nine starts. He's been great in the postseason. But Tony Singrani and Tony Watson have also been money through the and end of the season. And that's scouting and development because Singrani comes in and he's a better pitcher than he was when the, the guy who arrived. But, but Tony Watson this you know, yeah. had been an all-star, mm-hmm. had been a really good, you know, one of those undervalued but very excellent left-handers for in the game for a few years now. So, I mean, the idea that you can – today's game – the nature of pitching, where even if you get that one spectacular starter, like you said, in a five-game series or a seven-game series, you're going to need to use a key bullpen guy three, four times, potentially. And right now, I look at what the Dodgers and the Yankees are saying, we're going to fortify both of those things. And if we have to give up, you know, a good prospect, you shouldn't empty your farm for it. But again, I go back to if you're the Astros and you were able to get a just another 
key bullpen piece. Not saying they didn't have options with Giles and Davinsky and some of these other guys, but to further fortify it without having to give up a top four prospect in your system, I do fault them for not making that move. And I mean, even the discussions with the Justin Verlander trade, the breakdowns that came up and talked about how, you know, there was even some hesitation to make that at certain points. And it goes back to, you know, what the computer models say versus the reality of the situation on the ground. Almost it's an economics versus a behavioral economics argument uh, in terms of just, you know, how human beings react to certain situations and the energy that Astros admitted they felt when they got Justin Verlander and their in their staff. I do think now, and, and I don't think it's hindsight. I mean, at the time it was, I think they might have made a mistake by not fortifying everything on their pitching staff. And now that we're seeing they only chose one, really, because Francisco Liriano was not a you know, bona fide no. fortification. That was a, hey, let's get another option in here. I, I go back to that's if this ends up costing the Astros, and it may not. They may go back right, to Houston. Said, they, no may go back, they, 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 they may go they back have, to Houston, but I think they They only need to win. They need to win two games at home. With Justin Verlander pitching one of them, and Justin Verlander, I, the I last like where I like where they stand tonight. With Justin Verlander on the mound, there's no question about it. But, but you I, don't like where they stand on Game Seven. No, not at all. <laughs> um, but I, but again, so it's not as if this, you know, has wrecked the Astros' season. But I do think you could. We said at the time, and now that we're seeing things play out, yeah, in order to put yourself in the best possible position to win. Making a move for a Brad Hand type, if you didn't have to give, look, if if they had to go force Whitley to do it, yeah, don't don't do that. It it does matter who you're giving up. It's not a an end all be all. Do it or don't do it. It really mm-hmm. does matter what you're giving up. But if you could could have done that deal without giving up, even if you want to make Jordan Alvarez part of that and say you don't have to give up any of your top four or five prospects, and you're talking about your eighth and your nineteenth, yeah, you should have made that trade. And we said that on July 31 when we did the study and showed. Guess what? All these prospects that are traded at the deadline, less than 20% of them ever have any kind of consequential major league career. And if you're getting a controllable, all-star caliber, dynamite arm in late innings, you should make that trade every time. And I don't that's not hindsight, that's what we said on July 31. So I think in terms of the Astros putting themselves in the best position to win a long series. It was probably a move they should have made, and it, like I said, it may not hurt them. They may come back and win these two games, and it's a moot point. But I still think the overall, you know, again, putting yourself in the best possible position, it's something they should have done, and, and we're seeing it hurt them already in these couple of games. Well, the other thing I think that is, you know, we don't want to not emphasize enough is that, look, the reality of it also is, though, is, is that if they lose this series. I'm not saying they're going to. If they win this series, what's going to have to happen is is that their lineup has to hit better than it has. You know, it is something where right now in this series, George Springer's not hitting. Carlos 140, Correa is not hitting. 147 234 213. The 213 is the number. They're slugging 213. Like you is hitting 263 with a 526 slugging. Altuve's hitting 278, although for no extra base hits. That's in it. In this series or in the postseason? That's the, the, just this series. Okay. In this series, what I'm saying is, is in this series, those are the only two guys, and Gurriel's got a 412 slugging. But Brian McCann is 0 for 10. Uh, Josh Reddick is 0 for 17. Um, George Springer, as you said, is 2 for 18 with no extra base right. hits. 
Alex Bregman's hitting 118. Carlos Beltran's hitting 083. Evan Gaddis is 0 for 4. Like Marwin Gonzalez, who's a super, he's a super, super utility. I love him. He's 2 for 15. Like, again, you, you've got to give some credit to the, the Yankees pitching staff, the starting pitching and the relievers. But at the same time... Right, Correa's hitting better than I thought he was. But you're right. Overall, they're still talking about seven, seven of the nine starters on any given night. They're not hitting. And, and that's, you know, something that's less controllable. You put the right players on the field. And well, if they're know, just getting shut down against good pitchers, you, it happens. You say, but also when you say not controllable, like if you put Ken, Ken Giles out there, that's your automatic call. And then if he you know, gets shelled, well, then you go, well. Right. I mean, some of it's building the bridge. But this is a situation where, honestly, I think just have to give credit to the Yankees. I mean, this is a, a staff top to bottom, you know, rotation to bullpen. Masahiro Tanaka delivered an amazing start again. Sonny Gray was fantastic in his outing. It was a little shorter than than maybe he would have liked, but hey, that was just because they went to the bullpen because they can do it. I'll say this. If you get five innings out of Sonny Gray and he does that, you can you can win with, a World Series doing with that. With the Yankees' him. bullpen, no question. I mean, I think this is – the Yankees have gotten great outings again and again from great pitchers. These are all guys, whether, you know, CeCe, Gray, Tanaka, Severino. These are really good starting pitchers. It's not like any of these guys are showing up off the street and, and out-pitching – you know, guys vastly superior to them. These are really good pitchers, and the Yankees are in the playoffs for a reason. I mean, the reality is, is again, if you want to sum it up, though, we are five games into this series, and the combo of Tommy Conley and David Robertson, we talked about, that's one. that was one trade, and the combination of them have pitched five times, have eight innings, four hits, one run in, you know, in eight innings. You essentially, if you treat it that way, that trade they have given you, and those are generally have been high leverage innings. Those guys are giving you Tommy Conlon. I think did have to come in to uh, save Batansis. Yeah, low, 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 less leverage there. But uh, although Batansis was making it into higher leverage, but they've given you eight innings already. They're going to pitch more in this series. They're going to give you. I they've pitched eight innings again. It's two relievers, but those guys eight innings. They're going to end up. Each of them, Tommy Conley's going to end up throwing as many innings as Sonny Gray does in the series or more. That's where these relievers making these moves, which generally you can do at a relatively modest cost. They, they paid, but it's not the same as what you have to give up for a Verlander. You'd rather get a Verlander. I'd rather have the guy who can come out there and give you nine and shut them down, and you say, okay, we're going to win game six because we have Justin Verlander. But there's not many of those guys out there. There are not many of those guys out there. There are a lot of Tommy Connellys out there. And that's really the, the point that I'm making is, is he's really good, but it is easier. You said Brad Hand didn't get traded. Brad Hand is a reliever who has the ability to impact a postseason series. So that kind of, now, now we'll move it on to the, uh, the, the nightcap last night. Which, well, I have to ask. Oh. Do you? Do you? I, I do think the Astros win tonight, or oh, well, yeah. net, net game six, yeah. I should say. Yes. Justin Verlander on the mound. Do you see them coming back to win the whole series? I've got. I mean, I'm I'm staying loyal to my picks because I did pick the Astros to go to the World Series. I think I absolutely can say let's see a plausible path for that, which really comes back to partly is is they get back home and they hit. Um, no, I mean right now, you know, obviously it's a three to two lead, and Look, Justin Verlander, let's say that Justin Verlander gives the Astros a 60% chance of winning tonight. Let's say that, I mean, not tonight, again, tomorrow. 60% chance. Let's say that. That's a, as 
as matchups go in the postseason, that is as about high a, a probability as you're going to get. Well, that means that the Yankees would have a 40% chance of ending this in Game 6. And let's say even, probability-wise, that Game 7 is a 50-50 proposition, which I don't think it is. Even then, that's a pretty massive advantage for the Yankees as far as, again, it doesn't mean the Astros can't do it. But the, it was as we said when it was 2-0 for the Astros, I mean, it's a very tough you know, to come back. Well, the Yankees have done that. That the Astros are now in, in a difficult situation, especially when you say, okay, we're, I'm not saying we're not going to see Keuchel again in the series because we've seen this nowadays in, in the postseason, but no question. we're not going to see Keuchel start again. We're probably going to see Verlander one more time in this series because in his case, I don't think you're going to see him because I think you're going to see him pitch a lot in this next game considering the uh, bullpen. If you're the if you're the Yankees, you know you're you're not worried about Charlie Morton as much. You're not worried about Brad Peacock or Lance McCullers. Although McCullers did pitch, he pitched really well. But, but there's a difference between them being on the mound, Dallas Keuchel, or Justin Verlander. It'll be interesting. Again, I, I do like the Astros' chances in Game Six, but Game Seven, it's we'll see. Now the Cubs kept it alive. You know, and a game that is the embodiment of 2017 baseball. Um, every run scored in that game was a solo home run. Every single run. Um, but, okay, so they win. You know, obviously winning one game helps for them. But where do you see them now? I mean, do you think... I mean, not not a whole lot changes. Again, the Dodgers are, are the better team. They're the team that's more well-rested. They've got the better bullpen. They've got the better starting pitching. They've, just in terms of performance and, and overall the lineup, the way it's performed start to finish in this series, the lineup is every bit as deep and has outperformed. Look, the Cubs finally, I mean, they, they've led Javier every... Javier Baez. Right, Javier Baez got together. You know, they've led every game of the series. The Cubs have scored first every single game of the series. The only difference last night was their pitching held it up. Now, they've all been slim leads. It's been ones and twos. It hasn't been fours and fives. But Jake Arrieta pitched very well last night. We saw them go to Wade Davis early. And even though he gave up a run, he came in and, and when it was crunch time and had to make the pitches, he did. Although he is... He is. This sum does summarize the uh, the Cubs bullpen experience right now. Again, we, we're talk, back talking about bullpen. Wade Davis is not right. Is right now not an automatic. Okay, he comes in. Those two innings are over. Like Kenley Jansen still feels like Kenley Jansen comes into the game. It's over. Right. Kenley, Wade Davis gave up the solo homer, but he also three walks as well. I mean, it wasn't danced it around. Wasn't, wasn't the cleanest. And even you know the Nationals game, he did give up a run there. Gave up a couple hits. It wasn't squeaky clean, but. Again, gets the job done. For me, it was more about you know Jake Arrieta, six and two thirds, three hits, one run. There were still five walks, which isn't pretty, but nine Ks. His team gave him that early lead, the and he held it. Working. And he held it. And really, I mean, that's what's been missing for the Cubs this series. When you, when your offense, you know, kind of stops, uh, stops, you know, takes the foot off the gas, and the pitching staff, even if the you know starters can keep it a game, the bullpen inevitably would cough it up. I mean, this was the best game the Cubs have played, the cleanest game they've played. Does that I still necess- don't think? I, 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 I still don't see them going and winning three more straight against the Dodgers, including two of them in Los Angeles. Oh, especially because again, you're gonna need the bullpen. Wade Davis went. You know, you needed Wade Davis to throw two 
to get you there, partly because you just right now, who is the second guy in that pen who they're comfortable? It's honestly Brian Dunsing. And he Which pitched last night. And he pitched last night. Yeah. It was only third, but he pitched. No, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, Carl Edwards Jr., obviously, walking you, Darvish, was just, I felt bad for the guy. I mean, that, he's a good pitcher who's had a, a rough postseason, and that and was, that was, that was rock ton. bottom. You know, Pedro Strope has, has been okay in spurts. I mean, Hector Rondon, they haven't trusted him. Back to the World Baseball Classic, I remember articles about, can the Cubs trust Hector Rondon this year? And look, he's blowing games in Venezuela's bullpen, so the answer is probably no. Was it Venezuela or the Dominican? It's so long ago. It's a little crazy. But overall, yeah, there's not the depth of arms. And you compare it, you know, again, to the Dodgers' bullpen last night. Alex Wood went four and two-thirds. The bullpen went in and shut it down. Bullpen didn't give up another run the whole game. No, I mean, you, in, the, in the Dodgers' bullpen, you have Kenley Jansen, who is as close to automatic when he comes in and, and basically takes on two outs, two inning saves and says, bring them on. I love them. And moving Kent to Maeda to the bullpen. And Maeda is a, an absolutely legit setup man. Then you have Brandon Morrow and you have Tony Watson and you have Tony Singrani. He wasn't that great and last year. Russ Stripling had a pretty solid year in that bullpen over the course of the year, a 370 RA. Like, so, again, went in last night, pitched a clean inning. Again, just an extra arm that... Isn't sexy, but for the most part, pretty reliable and has been most of the year. I mean, the Dodgers have guys they can throw at you and throw at you and throw at you and hold you down, and the Cubs right now don't have that. Right. I, again, it's not that the Cubs can't you know, come back to win the series, but it is something where the odds are very much, as much as a big win for them yesterday. And by the way, kudos to that crowd. I don't know if anyone at Wrigley Field sat down the entire game. I mean, it was... You know, impressive for you know just the, the crowd there. It was what you would expect, but uh, you know you they really for them to win it is going to rely on they've been relying on the power and they have power, but it's still just going to be hard to see. You've got Kershaw, you know, kind of sitting, you know, waiting in the wings to to potentially finish this off, and then you have. But the other thing is is that if this did get to you know going seven. The Dodgers have a more. I keep coming back to it. The Dodgers are more rested. The Dodgers have well, the, Cubs the, are, the Cubs looked tired the first couple of games. I mean, how poorly they were playing, you could see it. They were very much out of gas. Last night was a little bit of an energy booster, but but they making it well, stand out. But like they're, especially their bullpen's not as good as the Dodgers bullpen when everyone's rested. But they had to work so hard to get here, whereas the Dodgers did not. You know, you are talking about a situation where you say. That's part of this too. Like I do think that there's a part of this that says, you know, poor Carl Edwards is Jr. is, you know, he's just throwing and throwing and throwing. You know, he's thrown, he's thrown, he's made seven appearances in the playoffs so far, and he hasn't been very good. And he still made seven appearances. One thing tonight that'll be interesting to me: we've got Clayton Kershaw, Jose Quintana. That's the pitching matchup. Kershaw is going to be interesting. I mean. Look, we have seen it a lot. His postseason outings have not been his best. That's been the book on him for a while, and it's kind of continued. He hasn't been terrible this year, but it hasn't been Kershaw-esque. I'd be interested to say, if he can go out and shut down the Cubs and clinch the Dodgers' first World Series appearance since 1988, I just, again, I feel like that'd be a huge weight off of his shoulders and something that's, that's pretty big. If he goes out and gets roughed up, 
that's gonna, that's gonna be what I'm watching. You know, we've talked a lot about people talked about Kershaw and all his posts and struggles without taking into account he was starting on short rest pretty much every single appearance and he hasn't had to do that at all this postseason and and, and goes on top of that um, I would credit whoever first pointed this out it was on Twitter and I I apologize I cannot remember uh, who did but the point is is that when he gets to the postseason also for Kershaw he every time out it is the expectation that he's going to go deep. And, you know, a lot of times his trouble runs into is, you know, he, he tries to stretch it one more inning than, you know, I know he's had some early inning trouble too, but there are times where, you know, you go back to 14 postseason and he gave up eight runs in six and two thirds innings. And, you know, part of, he is as the ace. It is the, uh, what the, uh, the ace has to wear, but, He's expected to go deep, save the bullpen when he goes out there. And I'll be interested to see. I, they don't need him to do that right now as much. Like, they have a rested bullpen, but For he is playing it did, it did get used a little bit yesterday with mm-hmm. Wood going four and two thirds. But again, it's like they've been used, rolled out there every single game. There's, right. These guys are capable of pitching back to backs. No, I think that Kershaw, you know, tonight it's going to be. Uh, you know, could be a big moment for him. And look, Jose Quintana has done what he's supposed to do for the Cubs in the postseason. He had a really nice start his last outing. I mean, just got to see if the Cubs can give him the support. Now, let me ask you on that, though. We talked about the Astros and their bullpen. The Cubs went out and got Jose Quintana. Looking back on it, and I don't think we said this at the time, but looking back on it, in hindsight, should the Cubs have done a little bit more for Well, they bullpen? got Justin Wilson. It yeah. just hasn't made the difference. So I, I think, for me, you can't fault the Cubs' process. There's times where you can do the right thing and it just doesn't work out. you got to trust the process. That, to me, is less of an issue than not, do, not being honest with yourself about what you need and going out and doing it. So to me, the Cubs, look, if, this, if they lose, it happens. They're playing the best team in baseball right. for the course there of the season. No, if this Cubs team loses to Kershaw and they're done for the year, this is still the we're still in the middle of the greatest run of Cubs baseball. Three straight of N- a century. Three straight NLCSs. They've never done that. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, winning a World Series. I mean, it's it's kind of funny the idea that there might be some Cubs fans out there angry and upset and everything. Guys, you can't complain for right. at least another like ten years minimum. Like. You're, and you're, this is also a team, you know, again, they're, they're not done yet for this year, but also it's also a team that they're built for to be around again. The other thing with that is, is that this Dodgers team they're facing is, uh, this Dodgers team they're facing is doing this and Corey Seager is not playing. Which is, I mean, that's maybe the most incredible thing about the run they're on. There's no question but, about it. But you know what, with that, uh, before we wrap this up, we do have to talk about like, they're not getting anything. Corey Seager's hurt, but Yaziel Puig is, you know, is in a locked-in mode right now. Chris Taylor's been locked in as Chris well. Chris Taylor's locked in. Justin Turner is always <laughs> locked in. But Justin, this is this is one of the things that stands out is, is just how this team is really deep when it comes to the lineup. There is, it's not one guy. I mean, it, it's really not, and that allows them that they can lose one of the best players in baseball. And they just shrug it off. And, again, talk about making sure your team has the depth to survive a 162-game season, potentially 
you know, postseason, theoretically, you could have a stretch of 19 games and 24-ish days with a lot of cross-country travel. And they've built that, and that's a testament to the Dodgers and all the, you know, different pieces they brought in. Yes, they have this ginormous payroll, and that is a factor. It will always be a factor. They've also done a really good job finding those guys who can come in and, you know, on a minimum-type contract, make a contribution. And it's a testament, really, to their pro scouting department, I think, above all. Yeah. But, well, we will be back again tomorrow. hope to have John back on the podcast uh, tomorrow. He, uh, he's working on some stuff. We've got an issue going out today. So uh, we do want to thank you for tuning in. We do want to remind you also that today's podcast was sponsored by Baseballism. Don't forget to shop now at Baseballism.com and enter the offer code BASHIP to receive free shipping on your order. Visit Baseballism.com to shop for hats, shirts, and more today. For Kyle Glazer, I am JJ Cooper. We appreciate the download, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.